Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you from the new, well, not the new Drunk Gossip Studios, the temporary Drunk Gossip Studios here in Detroit, Michigan. Um, as I told you in the last episode, I was going to be traveling, and I once I got that done, I decided that I needed to do at least one last episode before the holidays. So, um, and I'll say this again at the end of the show, but I just want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas, or whatever holiday you decide, or that you, you celebrate, I want you to have a good one. Um, and we're going to talk right now about Mel Young. Uh, Mel Young was the head writer and executive producer of The Young and the Restless. That's right, so fans, it is our time to shine. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, under his leadership, YNR has retained number one. Let, let's just make that very clear. It, it is still the number one daytime show. Um, however, the ratings have been sinking. And there's been a few times where the Bold and Beautiful almost overtook it. Now, for Sony, this is not, this is a first world problem. Because they also produce The Young and the Restless. Um, and, I mean, even for CBS, it's it's not that big of an issue because um, they, they air both soaps. So why replace him? Well, the fans are not happy. And again, we're thinking ratings. Um, that's never a good way to... Um, Launch, or not launch, but you know, when you, when your fans are not happy, they're gonna watch less. They're gonna buy less, and then you start making less money. So, and even when I put this status up that the only young was out at the young and the restless, it was like I was overwhelmed with just the amount of happiness um, that this guy was out. Um, he says he's working on some other projects. He was only ever supposed to do this for a year or so. Um, and there's this mysterious project that's gaining steam and he wants to really focus on that. He is lying to us. I'm not saying that there's not a mystery, uh, mystery project. There probably is. But he was fired. Without a doubt. There is no way... That um, he was voluntarily stepping down. Um, he enjoyed the kind of creative freedom that very few enjoy. Um, and in the current climate, I believe Brad Bell is the only one who enjoys it. So, they, um, Sony and CBS probably showed him the door. What does all this mean now? Um, Josh Griffin, Griffith, excuse me, is going to be. This is this is why my my producer will wants me to do more research or at least have research in front of me. Um, so shout out to Will. I should listen to you, but I'm not going to. Um, so as I was saying, um, Josh Griffith has been named head writer, um, 
And Josh has a very, very long history with the Young and Restless. Um, before, um, before the terror known as Maria Bell took over as head writer, um, he was co-head writer. Um, I think he's had some solo stints, which were all very well received. Um, so I would, I would guess that what we're going to get to get back is a focus on the families, the Newmans and whatever, um, vets, um, under Mel Young, we lost a lot of vets. Um, Tracy Bergman, I believe, is gone. Um, Eileen Davidson. Now, people exiting happens all the time, but when it happens in such a short amount of time, and you're losing mainly women, and mainly front burner people, that's not okay. And, um, you know, I, I watch Hollyoaks, or at least I used to as much as I could, and yes, they cycle through characters like No Tomorrow. But that's kind of what they're used to. The British also only have um, 13 episode seasons. And 13 episodes is considered long by their standards. You get five or six episodes and you should be happy. Um, but they, they really did, um, over in England, they really do recast like crazy and whatever. Um, and they just write from different people out all the time. Um, and I think that's kind of what he was trying to bring here. But the thing is, the, and I said that, I've said this about Kathy Lee, I've said this about Ellen. Um, and it's what I truly believe. The daytime audience wants consistency. You know, you can't be writing... Like, this is an English show in America, because that's not how it works. Um, and I, for the record, I'm not saying that I could do better, because I don't know if I could or not. I like to believe so, but... Um, I think the first... Um, if I were coming in as a producer or a, or a head writer, the first thing I would do is try to lure back at least some of the headline names. Um, Tracy Bergman, Eileen Davidson. Um, put um, Victor as played by Eric Braden and Nikki as played by Melody Thomas Scott back on the front burner in a story together, a romantic story together. Um... Because that's how you bring back the viewers. And hopefully I can bring you back in just one second. And I'm back. So, Reboot Fever is just... It's getting to be a lot. Um, Right now, currently... And these are just the ones that I can name off the top of my head. Um, We have... Chilling Tales of Sabrina, which is a reboot of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, kind of. It's, it's taking the IP and doing something different with it, so at least there's that with that one. Um, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, which I think they just dropped the Straight Guy, and it's just Queer Eye now. Um, that moved from Bravo to Netflix. Um, there's a reboot of Magnum P.I., Hawaii Five-0. 
um, MacGyver. Um, the Connors is a reboot slash revival of Roseanne. Um, Will and Grace was a revival. Um, I, I, there's so many. I, I know I'm forgetting some. But the, the, so here's the point. There, there's so many of them. It's like there's no new ideas in Hollywood. Again, the um, Will and Grace is probably as funny, if not funnier, in this incarnation than it was in its first time. Which is saying a lot because the original is a classic for a reason. Um, Sabrina, they they did something really new and brilliant with it. So I, you know, that's really cool. Um, but here's, here's my issue. Here's where I have some attitude. When you're just rebooting stuff because it has a classic title that you're assuming will draw people in. And that's what's happening with my beloved Queer as Folk. They're rebooting it. Um, it, right now it's, it seems like it's going to be on Bravo, but... I don't expect that to to hold out. I expect it to move back to either original network, Showtime, or um, land at something like Netflix or um, Hulu or a streaming service like that. Because the whole... I, I shouldn't say the whole point of Queer Swift, but there was... If you're going to make it like the original... And if you're using the title, you definitely should. There's a lot of sex. There's a lot of nudity. Um, you know, that that's just the way it is. And I've read online... Um, I forgot the author's name. Again, William, don't start with me about taking notes or, or having a script in front of me. Um... um but the, the the writer, one of the writers, who who did an article about the QAF revival, talked about how it um it, the show itself lends itself to being rebooted and reinvented, and I I absolutely agree. I really hope we get to see like Sharon Glass or um, Hale Sparks or um, was someone from the original series. On the show. I think that would be fabulous. Um, and when I did my interview with Del Shores, um, Del Shore was um, one of the writers on the original series. It seemed like everyone was open to the possibility of um, doing a reunion, except for Randy Harrison, who played Justin. Now, and this is solving a blind item from um, my Generation Gossip days. So, for those of you who keep asking about the holdout for the QAF reunion, it is Randy Harrison. For someone who doesn't act anymore, and I don't know if it's by choice or if he retired or what happened, maybe there's a Me Too story there, um... Who knows? But he, all he's booked lately has been, like, waiter, um, playing a waiter or something. He's not even supporting anymore. 
Um, and he really could have been. He was... I mean, first of all, he's gorgeous. Um, and... Well, he's not on the level of, like, Meryl Streep or... That he He's a pretty decent actor. He could have um, ended up in a soap or he could have... Um, whatever. But for whatever reason, he doesn't want to do it. So fine. Don't do it. I would love to sit down and interview him. Just because I want to know what happened. I want to know... Like, you know, obviously there were a lot of sex scenes. But it seemed like the... If I remember correctly, half the actors were straight and half of them were gay. So if there was a Me Too story there, why why not talk about it? You know, especially in this environment, it's not like it's going to kill a career or anything. Maybe there's an NDA. Who knows? But so, um, they, they've announced the QAF reboot. So look for that. Like I said, I I truly believe it's going to end up on Netflix or um, Showtime. I cannot see it staying on Bravo unless um, Bravo is launching their own streaming service as well. And I'm going to go and I'll be right back. Okay, so... um, And I don't know if people realize this because this is a podcast and whatnot. Um... But even when we when we do the um, vlog, which Will is helping me um, set up and create right now, um, I'm hoping that people will see, like, nine times out of ten, I'm walking around. Um, because I don't work with a script, um, I'm horrible at memorizing, and I'm not going to shuffle papers while I'm, I'm recording a segment. And mo- most of the time, I already know the stories I'm going to talk about. Um, and even when I don't, um, in between segments, I'll read really fast and, um, formulate what I'm thinking. And for some reason, walking around helps me. I don't, I can't explain it. I'm not going to defend it, but that's just how it is. Um, we'll want, uh, we'll have some really cool ideas on how to work with that and how to make it um, even better for the vlog. So, we're gonna do that. Or at least we're gonna try to. Um. So, here's, here's why I bring this up. Um, Wendy Williams has been acting very strangely. Ever since the Halloween episode where she fainted, um, people are saying that something just seems off with her, um, they're not quite sure what's going on, or if it's even something that they need to concern themselves with. Um, but here's, here's what she had to say about people talking about her sitting. So it's come to my attention that all of, that you all are noticing that I sit a lot. I love to have several seats. I don't just sit here. I've been sitting in the audience. I sit to do demo projects as well. You know why? Because I want to. Because this is my show and this is how I want to do it. I bust my ass on this show every single day. Which is absolutely positively true. I'm not going to argue with Wendy Williams about that. Um, I'm not even going to argue about her not busting her ass. Because she is one of, if not the hardest working talk show hostess 
out there today. Um, and it and it kind of sucks because she doesn't get the high level of respect of say like an Ellen DeGeneres or uh, um or like the ladies of the View or the Talk. She gets. She'll get A-list people, but she also gets a lot of B-level celebrities and really has to work harder. I don't know why. I mean, and she's been around. She She's very successful. Um, I think her show is number three after Live with Kelly and Ryan and Ellen. Maybe it's number four. Um, but it, it it's a top five show for sure. Um... And, and she deserves to have a lot more respect than that. But the reason why her sitting is such a a big deal is because people are used to her standing more and, and walking around and whatnot. Um, and we know after her, her infamous fainting Halloween episode, we know that she has um, Graves' disease and whatever. And maybe... Maybe that's why she feels the need to sit. And that's fine. But be honest about it. Listen, if you're going to invite people into your life, or if you want people to invite you into their living room day after day, you have to kind of open up a little bit. Um, and her friends are telling the tabloids, and I don't know if you can call friends to talk to the tabloids' friends, other than me, Mandy, Mary T, William, if any of you want to sell stories about me to the tabloids, please do. <laughs> and make them as outrageous as possible. I will confirm everything. Just just do it. <laughs> um, and, and you all will get to meet William. He's um, when, we, when we launch the YouTube show. Um, I don't know if he'll appear on camera, but he'll definitely be talking to me off camera, yelling at me, I'm sure. Because he does it now. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so here's what her friends told us weekly. Uh, nope, I lied. Uh, da, 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 da. Here it is. Um, basically, they're, they're concerned because she canceled the show at the last minute and then um she canceled um she canceled a Monday show at the last minute because she injured herself on Saturday um and she said it was just all medical care and Um, so people are kind of giving the side eye and they're saying something bad is going on with Wendy. Um, and if you listen to crazy, or not listen, well, listen, because he does have a podcast, but if you, if you read Crazy Days and Nights and you follow like the separate storylines that he has for people, he, um, NC Lawyer is claiming that Wendy Williams has a really bad drug problem. I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what he is claiming. And it, it is kind of scary because... 
Uh, she she's been through rehab once already. He's saying that she needs to go back. I don't have any validation for this, um, other than a gossip site. So I'm not gonna say yes or no. Um, as to whether she's using again, but I will say it's definitely a possibility because in her in her career. She had not missed a day of her talk show, and now suddenly she's missing like crazy. So I think that needs to be thought about at the very least. I'm going to go, and I'll be right back. I'm back. Um, so we're going to continue with our Drunk Holiday series. Um, and in honor of... Christmas coming up, I think I'm going to put together a compilation of these drunk holiday stories, just because I like them so much. (sighs) Would not be a podcast without, or would not be an episode without me coughing. Alright, so, y'all know, like, I'm, I'm a social media manager, um, so I'm on Facebook and Twitter and even Insta a lot. And... Um, on top of that, um, I like to go through and just see, um, what's happening with my friends and family, whatever. But there was an article that really just, it it, it hit me, and it was the perfect way to do our last, what I'm assuming will be our last, um, drunk holiday for the year. I don't, don't quote me on that, though. (laughs) Um. So, there was a marketing company, and I don't remember, and I, I, like, I hear, from 600 miles away, I hear Will screaming at me that I need to listen to him and start taking notes. Oi. Um, there was a marketing company that was doing some research See how to make Santa more marketable. And when I talked to Mary T about this, because I was planning the segment, um, but I didn't quite know what hook to take. And her exact words were brilliant. It's a fat man who gives us free stuff. How much more marketable do you want Santa to be? And if y'all knew Mary T, which I'm hoping I can get her either as a guest or a co-host, um, on the podcast or the, the, the vlog at some point, you'll love her because <laughs> amazing. Um, but, it, and she also makes a really good point. Um, but that, that's not the point of this, this though. Um, in that survey, a lackluster 27% of the people said, um, that they would want, Santa to either be a female, um, non-conforming, or non-binary. And the internet lost its collective mind. Like, it was like the Joker being thrown into a vat of acid that ruined his good looks. Yeah, I have a thing for the Joker. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble for that one. (laughs) So much trouble. 
anyways. So, the internet's losing its mind. Now, keep in mind that this survey, I, um, was probably taken by 500 people. Maybe, maybe a few more, maybe a few less. But it was not very many people at all. So, the, I mean, 25 or 27% is a large number. But also, get over it. No one is saying Santa is going to be a woman. No one is saying Santa is going to be non-binary. And yes, everyone knows that Santa is based on a real person. I wrote a whole romance about this. So no one is surprised or is trying to take away Santa's dick. And the fact that I just had to talk about Santa's dick is, is crazy to me. It was a marketing survey... That was prepared for no damn good reason other than to sell more shit. I'm going to say that one more time. It was a marketing survey to sell more shit. Now, will someone come out with a non-binary or a non-gender conforming Santa? Possibly. Will it be cool? Maybe. It depends on execution. But... It always depends on the execution. You know, you can't just say, oh, Santa's a girl now. Or a hipster Santa doesn't believe in genders. And even if someone does do that, why does it bother the internet so much? That's what I really want to know. The best way to voice your discontent with someone doing that is to vote with your wallet. Don't shop at that company. But creating a fur over it is not going to do anything other than to give them, give that company free publicity, which will drive in people who do support that. That's how it works. That's how business works. And I really cannot believe that I had to talk about this. I'm going to go and I'll be right back. And I'm back. Um, and I really hate to end this episode on a bummer. But I really feel like we need to talk about Penny Marshall. Um, she died yesterday. Or she died this week at the age of 75. Um... from what I've read it was complications from diabetes which just goes to show you no matter matter how much money you have diabetes is a bitch and it's going to claim you if if you don't get treated for it Um, there are so many reasons why Penny Marshall is an icon is a legend Um, why she will go down as one of the most successful sitcom and directors ever. Um, as a sitcom actress, she it, she took a one-off um, guest-starring role on Happy Days and helped create um, the classic sitcom Laverne and Shirley. 
Um, they were supposed to, uh, Laverne and Shirley were supposed to just appear on Happy Days once. But they were so popular and um, network executives were, in, they were spin-off happy at that time. And they were like, what can you do for us? And um, the Happy Days director was like, well, you know, we just, we just had these two girls on. They were really popular. And the network just literally threw the money at them and said, do it. Bring us the show. Um, and when it debuted, Laverne and Shirley was number one. Um, it outranked Happy Days, the show it was spun off from, as the most popular. And it stayed in the top ten, I think, for most of its run. And people were trying to figure out what it was. And at one point, Gary Marshall, Penny's brother, and a very famous director in his own right, that's not sarcasm, or at least it wasn't meant to be, um, said about his sister Penny that she looked like a regular person. She sounded like a regular person. And people identified with that. And, and really, that's true. Um, when I was growing up, I would watch Laverne and Shirley repeat. It was my favorite. And it was because Laverne was someone I could have known. I mean, she was just so fabulous. and um, But there was something very real about her. After, after that, um, Penny Marshall went on maternity leave. And they weren't going to pay her, but she was like, oh, no, 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 that's not how this works, whatever. And Laverne was written off. And the show came to an end in the seventh season. Um, because you can't have Laverne and Shirley without Laverne. Duh. Um, so... After doing some like guest stars and popping up in movies here and there, Penny Marshall directed her first feature, and it did well. Um, I'm. This is one I actually took notes on, but now I can't find those notes. See, this is why I don't. This is why I don't do it. Um, she. She um, directed Jumpin' Jack Flash. And um, and then she did Awakening. Um, and then probably her most iconic and biggest hit was A League of Their Own. And I know somewhere in here she also directed Tom Hanks and Big. Um, I'm I'm looking at IMDb right now. So she directed sixteen movies. Um, Jumpin' Jack Flash was indeed her first big one. Um. And then right after Jumpin' Jack Clash, she did Big, and then Awakenings, and then A League of Their Own. 
Um, but so there you have it—a very talented woman, um, who was kind and just everyone loved her. The outpouring of love. Um, yesterday was just so comforting. I mean, and I'm not even one of her loved ones. I was a complete stranger to her. Like, I never wrote a fan letter or anything like that. I just admired her from, from afar. Um, but everyone is just, was just devastated. Um, Tom Hanks, who um, she directed in Big, said, you know, I'm going to miss you. I miss our talks, but we'll we'll see each other again in heaven soon. Um, Rosie O'Donnell said, you know, this was... Working with you was one of the highlights of my career. You know, we were friends. I love you. Yada, yada, yada. And... Um, right after news of her death broke, Blind Gossip put up a blind, um, I'm not going to read it because I'm already way over, um, the five minutes that we normally do here, but, um, basically in the blind it said that one of, one of the actresses from A League of Their Own is held a grudge against Penny Marshall because she asked her to for a role in one of Penny's other movies. Um, and Penny was like, you know what, I'm sorry, but I don't think you're you're right for the role. And um you know, they, they basically hadn't spoken since. And with that blind, I narrowed it down to Madonna and the preacher's wife. I think she wanted to play the Whitney Houston role. Because, remember, this was... Um, Whitney was making a, a flawless and seamless transition from singer to actress. Um, she was... Um, she had made The Bodyguard, which was a worldwide hit. Um, I Will Always Love You was number one for, like, 200 weeks or something. That's an exaggeration. I know it. But, I mean... She was everywhere. She... Whitney did not make a bad move. And when The Preacher's Wife came up... Um, they wanted to make the first Black Christmas movie. Those, again, those are not my words. Those are words of someone else. But you can kind of see where they're going with that because that's essentially what the preacher's wife became. And again, flawless. Um, if I remember correctly, the critics loved it. Or maybe they didn't love it, but it certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it wasn't necessarily a huge hit, but it was a big enough hit. And it solidified... Whitney Houston as a um, movie star. Something that Madonna wouldn't get until she played Evita. And Whitney 
would really have to thank her director, Penny Marshall, for the good reviews and all that. Um, so just to bring this to a very sad end, we love you, Penny Marshall. Thank you for entertaining us all these years. Thank you for your contribution to everything. We would not be where we are without you. And I would not be where I am without you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Um, I believe that this is going to be the last podcast. The, the, the last original material podcast or episode. Until after Christmas. So I am raising my sugar cookie martini to you all. And saying cheers.